Good morning, Mercy Culture. So good to see you guys this morning. My name is Les. I'm the lead pastor here at Mercy Culture Waco, where we take people from corporate encounters with God to daily personal encounters with God. And what that means is that we uh, never intended our church to just be about a beautiful corporate encounter, just be about a great church service. But how many know that was a great church service this morning? Come on, can we thank the worship team today for leading us into his presence? But in Mercy Culture, we believe and we know that corporate encounters alone are not enough to sustain us. I know from experience, I grew up in church and I grew up in a a move of God and experiencing God in incredible ways in corporate encounters, but missing that piece of having a daily personal relationship with the Lord. And as I got older and life began to hit, my relationship with the Lord was shaky. And when, when trials begin to come my way, I wasn't built on a firm foundation because I didn't have that daily personal relationship with God. But in Mercy Culture, we believe that there is only one way to God, and that is through Jesus. But in Jesus, there are many ways to connect with the Lord. And we want to help you discover how you best connect with the Lord. And we prayed into this for many years and asking the Lord to reveal how people best connect with God. And we want to help you discover that. And we do that through a process that we call MC Connect. And MC Connect is the first step to joining Mercy Culture Church and to being involved and to serving. But more importantly, it is the way that we disciple people into that daily personal encounter with the Lord. If you'd like more information about that, you can text the word CONNECT to 59090. We'll send a link to you. Watch a few short videos. And then you have a, a, a CONNECT appointment where we have connectors that have been praying for you, seeking God for you, will give you prophetic words, pray over you and your family, and help you to develop a personalized connect with God plan and how you best connect with the Lord every single day. Amen? How many of you have been through MC Connect? Come on. It's a life-changing experience. I want to encourage you to do it. Well, this morning, service is a little bit different today. We've got a lot going on. We've got some exciting things for you this morning. We'll get into that in a minute. But before we do that, I want to honor not some guests, but people that aren't always with us today. We have some elders, some of our elders and pastors from Fort Worth here this morning. We have Pastor Ryan and Pastor Abe. We have Pastor Matt and Pastor Lisa. We have Pastor Seth and Pastor Kaylee with us. We're so thankful for them and for their covering and for their love and for their prayers and for their support. I have cried in Pastor Abe and Pastor Ryan's office more times than I care to admit. But they're a mother and a father, and we're so grateful for them. If you'd like the notes that are in front of me to be sent to you, just text the word notes to 59090, and I'll send that. Send you a link with all of those notes today. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's just open up in prayer today. Father, we thank you for your presence that's already in this room this morning. Lord Jesus, we're grateful that you've met us here in this place today. God, I pray that you will anoint our ears to hear 
what your voice is saying, that you will open up our hearts to receive what you have for us today. God, I pray that you would speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. And this morning, God, I just lay down comparison, performance, and the need to impress at your feet. Today, it's all about you. So speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, say amen. Amen. 2 Timothy chapter 1, 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power or dunamis. Say dunamis. And love and self-control. The word of the house, the word of the year over this house is dunamis. And dunamis is simply the power source of God. And this is the year when the power of the Holy Spirit is going from resting upon us to being in us. It is a year to strengthen and fortify. I already feel the strengthening and the fortification of the Holy Spirit. Every single day in our daily encounters, when I'm, when I'm going before the Lord, I can feel his strength. I can feel him fortifying. Sometimes that's wonderful, and sometimes it hurts a little bit. If you ever had uh, foundation work done to your house, the first step is they got to drill real deep. And there can be some shaking, and it can get messy, and there can be some dust in the house. And I felt that. And sometimes you can feel that strengthening and fortification goes real deep. And the Lord has just been bringing stuff up and convicting me of things and wringing out the flesh. And as Pastor Seth was talking about it this morning, just, Father, what is it in me that doesn't look like you? What is still left over in me that doesn't look like you? What can you reveal? But the beautiful thing about the Lord is we just give it to him and he gives us beauty. He gives us beauty for ashes. He is strengthening and fortifying your family and he is strengthening and fortifying this house. And I want to encourage you. This is not just a prophetic word for when you come to church. This isn't just a word about strengthening and fortifying MC kids or strengthening and fortifying the food bank or the other ministries of this house or, oh yes, Lord, strengthen and fortify the worship team. No, this word is for your house. It's for your marriage. It's for your children. It's for your finances. It's for your business. But if we take what's in our hands and we hold on to it and we don't release it to the Lord and allow him to show us what needs to be strengthened in our life, we will miss out on the fullness of what God has for us in this year of strengthening and fortification. As we're preparing for the rest of this year, we are uh, announcing this morning a new season for our church Every year in the month of March, since Mercy Culture first launched four years ago in Fort Worth, Texas, we have taken to the Lord and asked the Lord what his heart for his house was. And we call this season Heart for Mercy. Once a year, we receive an offering. If you've been around Mercy Culture long at all, you've probably noticed that we don't receive offerings. Every Sunday you come in here, you've never seen a bucket passed. The host will come up at the end of service and tell you how to give. And I'm so thankful, Mercy Culture family, you are a generous house. 
and you've been faithful and we are faithful to ask the Lord what he would have us to do and we give God our first and our best every week, but we don't pass around the offering bucket in this house. We do that only once a year and we are asking God what his heart is for his house. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, the Bible says each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And so we take this time to announce Heart for Mercy weeks before we ever received the offering, and we do that with intentionality, because we are not coming here to preach to you this heart-wrenching message about giving and generosity, and then try to manipulate with you with emotion, and then pass the offering bucket and try to get you to give in that way. Now, what we're asking you is we are inviting you into a time to go before the Lord and ask him, as 2 Corinthians 9 says, what would you have me to do for your house? Not under compulsion, not through manipulation of our emotions, but with a cheerful heart and with a heart of obedience to the Lord. And we have a big goal this year for our church family, and we've got a big vision You guys were here for Vision Sunday. Those of you that were here know that there are many initiatives that God has laid upon our heart to do this year. And you guys know that all last year at the end of the year, God was speaking to us that 2023 would be a year to run with great vision. And we have kicked off this year running and preparing for all that God wants to do right here in Waco. But I wanted to let you know the investment that has been made into your family and this community already. For those of you that don't know, Mercy Culture Waco is one church in multiple locations, and we are a campus of the broader Mercy Culture family and community. And we were planted out of a church in Fort Worth, Texas, Mercy Culture in Fort Worth that was launched about four years ago. And so we are part of one church, and it's bigger than what we just see here. We're part of something greater. And we are so thankful for the investment of the broader Mercy Culture community from Fort Worth and online and beyond. If you don't know, the tent is our temporary location. Can I get an amen? Amen. We will have indoor plumbing. It will be here. We will have floors. Praise. I need an organ. Our our Mercy Culture Fort Worth uh, media team and communications team was like, hey, Heart for Mercy's coming up. And I was in a meeting. They're like, we got these floor stickers that we stick on the floor and it's got cool sayings and scriptures. Do y'all want floor stickers? I go, guys, we don't have a floor. They're like, oh, that's right. But just out those doors, we have a building that we're under construction on right now. And soon and very soon, we shall be in the promised land. We will be in that building. But already, Mercy Culture has made a $6.5 million investment into this house. And it is because of the generosity of thousands of people, not only in Fort Worth and the DFW Metroplex, but in our online community all around the nation and all around the world that has made an investment because God spoke about what he wanted to do in this community in Waco. And we are so thankful and grateful for what God has already provided for us to begin to do. But we believe that it's time now that we as a family begin to make an investment into Waco. 
and pick up some of the, res- the financial responsibility of this house. So because of the generous investments, we've been able to purchase this building and begin a $2.5 million renovation project. We've spent over $280,000 on the launch of Mercy Culture Waco. These tents and these air conditioning units and heating, they don't work great, but they work. It's better than it was. And all the stuff for kids and all the, and the restroom trailer and the electrical stuff, all that stuff costs money. And we invested over $280,000 into that. And, and now we have a goal for Heart for Mercy this year of $500,000. And that's a big m- number, but it's nothing for the Lord. If you'd like a breakdown, it's on our screen, but you can text Waco HFM to 59090. Or you can go to mercyculturewaco.com slash heartformercy. And sitting right there on your seats, you've got a little pamphlet that has all of the information about Heart for Mercy. Some of the things that we've accomplished in Mercy Culture Church throughout the years and, and an insert specifically for what we're raising money for here in the Waco community. But we're, the MC Kids uh, needs to be outfitted with all of the stuff that we need for kids. You wouldn't believe what we need for kids. Any parents in here? Yeah, we're raising money for MC Kids. Our sound and lighting and audio visual and LED walls, furnishings for the building. We'd like to have chairs over there, not just hard plastic chairs. We'd like to sit in something soft. The IT infrastructure and network, we were laughing this week. Every time they talk to me about IT infrastructure, it just sounds like gibberish. It makes no sense to me whatsoever. It's like a flux capacitor. And I just sit there and smile and nod, yes, oh, we definitely need one of those. Absolutely. I don't know what we'd do without that. We've got landscaping needs. We want to refinish that parking lot. We want to redo the patio that's next to the building so we can have small groups and spaces for people to meet and fellowship during the week and students ministry and interior and exterior signage. It'd be nice for people to know where our building is and what's going on. And so we are taking this month to pray and seek the Lord and ask God what he would have you to give. This is over and above our tithe. And listen, when you go to the Lord and you ask him, if it doesn't extend your faith, it probably isn't God. The Bible says that anything not done in faith is sin. And so when we step out in obedience to the Lord, it requires us to activate our faith. And our Heart for Mercy offering will take place on Sunday, March 26th. That's in just a few short weeks. Nikki and I have been stewarding this and praying into what God would have us to do and asking the Lord to reveal to us how he wants us as a family to extend our faith and what he wants us to sacrificially sow into what God is doing into this house because we are not just uh, building a church and a building for you and I, but we are believing that this building and this property will be a blessing to our children and to our children's children. We're believing that the presence of God will will go from generation to generation, that this place will be a legacy that will bless East Waco and all of Central Texas, and that God will continue to do miraculous things for decades and decades to come because of what we have sown and given into this house. And so we are so excited. And when you come on March 26th, bring your offering and bring expectation. 
expecting God to speak to your family, expecting God to strengthen and fortify you and your family, and expecting the Lord to do the miraculous. And when you do that, all of the the pastors and leaders will pray over each offering that is brought here, and it's always one of my favorite services uh, of the year. Would you come on up and and play for us, Michael? We're going to like I said earlier, this morning we got a lot of stuff going on. It's a little bit of a different service today because today we are strengthening and fortifying through ordination. Come on. We get the great pleasure of ordaining a new pastor here at Mercy Culture Church. And I'm going to call her up in just a moment. But what is ordination? Ordination simply means to make someone a priest or holy minister to confer upon them holy orders. That's the biblical definition. Simply, it means it is a yes and amen from this house over the person we're ordaining as a pastor. It is simply a public endorsement of a personal relationship with the Lord. And mercy culture The only way that we minister in this house is we take our daily relationship with God and we give it away. Every worship leader that you see, every person that comes up to preach and ministry, every small group leader, all we're doing is going to the Lord every day, having a daily encounter with him, and then just giving that away. And the person we're ordaining this morning, I have seen Go before the heart of the Father day in and day out and seek God. And come into small groups and lead in pre-service prayer and come into our staff meetings and just give away what God has spoken. Just give away their relationship with the Lord. This morning as I was preparing And all week, as I've been going before the Lord, he's just been speaking to me. And I've been telling the Lord, I'm not coming to you, God, just to receive a word for people. I just want to see your face. Our daily encounters are not just about getting something from him. As a minister, as a pastor, sometimes we can fall into the trap of daily encounters being about going and getting a word to preach to somebody. Instead of Jesus, I just want to spend time with you. Just want to grow close to you. I just want to see your face, Lord. I don't want to take my daily encounter and dissect it and massage it and try to find the most eloquent way to impress people with what comes out of our mouths. But Lord, just simply, what are you saying? Just teach me about you. I want to get to know you. I want to fall deeper in love with you. I want to see new facets of you. I want to see a new side of you. I want you to see deeper in me. I want you to reveal all of the ways that I can grow stronger and become more like you. And I want to hear you say, well done, my good and faithful servant. 
And in Mercy Culture, we don't take lightly ordaining new pastors. This isn't just we need somebody to do something and we want to give them a title so that people take them seriously. It's not how we do things. We don't have a pastor of restroom trailers and a pastor of pre-service prayer and a pastor of post-service prayer and a pastor of this and a pastor of that. It's Lord, what are you saying? Lord, who are you endorsing through this house? Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. We see the qualifications for a pastor in 1 Timothy chapter 3. We see in Acts 6, 3, the Bible says that these people should be full of the spirit and of wisdom. Today, all week, the today, all week, all week, the Lord has been speaking to me about today. And I just keep hearing one word over and over again. He says, sovereign. It's a sovereign day in his presence. It's a sovereign day. The Lord is strengthening and fortifying this house by bringing us new leaders. The act of ordaining a pastor is not just for the person we're ordaining, but it is for all of you and for this family, for this church. Acts chapter 6, verse 6, it says, These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them, and the word of God continued to increase. And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Every time they would install new leaders, the church would grow more people would come into the faith. And today we are installing a new pastor, but prophetically we are growing Mercy Culture Waco. We are expanding our capacity. Shandell and Pastor Jordan, would you come up? Come on, let's put our hands together for them. Just your reaction is a testament to what she's already been walking out. Last year, before we launched Mercy Culture Waco in Fort Worth, we ordained Pastor Jordan as a pastor. And Nikki and I and the elders and the leaders went before the Lord and asked God about Chandel. And we felt a pause in our spirit. And it wasn't because she's not incredible. She's been way better than her husband for years. (laughs) 
It wasn't because she's not amazing. It wasn't because she's not incredible. It wasn't because she's not spiritual. It was just the Lord saying, hold on, just wait. And we have watched Shandell make a decision. She could have picked up the cup of bitterness. She could have said, wait a second, why not me? I'm, I'm, I'm great. I have daily encounters. I hear the voice of the Lord. I'm spiritual. I'm holy. I know the Bible. I've been leading at a high level. Why didn't I get ordained as well? Or she could just lean deeper into the Lord. And what we've seen is Shandell lean into God in ways that have blown our minds. It was just a few short weeks ago, the elders had already decided Shandell would be ordained as a pastor this year, but she didn't know that. We come in for pre-service prayer and I see her on the platform leading pre-service prayer. And she stepped into the role of pastor before anybody ever called her one. Because church family, a pastor is simply a servant. simply a servant. Ministry under the Holy Spirit is just about dying. Ministry is not about puffing yourself up and being more visible and being more eloquent and having a reserved seat, having something to say all the time. Ministry is about dying. It's just about less of me and more of you, Lord. I've watched Shandell do that over and over and over again and serve this house with teachability and humility and excellence. She has served in the values. She has served with our unique characteristics. She has served with our leadership standards. Shandell, we honor you today. We have our elders and pastors come up. You may be seated. It's probably hard to see us. Listen, in the new building, the stage is much bigger. There'll actually be room for us to be up there. We're going to have some of our pastors and elders pray and prophesy over Shandell. I want to remind you what Pastor Zane taught us when he was here just a few weeks ago and giving prophecy that we'll just move it right here. That prophecy is not only about the word that has been speaking over spoken over the person. Prophecy is an invitation to receive. And so this morning, as you are hearing these words, ask the Lord, Lord, what are you speaking to me and to my family? And open up your heart and receive it. Pastor Lisa. Pastor Les already spoke a lot of what was in my heart, and we're here honoring Shandell today. But I want to encourage you when words are released, take them for you as if you're sitting in this seat because it's about servitude, and every single person in this room is a servant. But Shandell, I want to affirm even what Pastor Les said today. And I want to say it loud, that we don't give out titles 
to give out titles. You are that before it is bestowed in. You are honored today in heaven. When I was asked to come and do this, I said, of course, it was an honor. It's an honor to serve you, to build you up. And I don't even know you that well. But every time I've seen you, I've seen this beauty in you. And it's a radiating that comes off of you. It's a radiation of his presence. You are a carrier and you're a vessel. And a really simplistic verse came to me and I couldn't shake it this week. It was Matthew 5, 5. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. God has called you to inherit the earth for him. God has called you to be his hands and feet. As I dug into this, I pulled up the, just the information behind it, and I thought, should I even share this? Because it's, it's not like I got a revelation, it's someone else's. But this is what it says. It says, many assume that the term meek means weak, tame, or deficient in courage. But the biblical understanding of meekness is power under control. In the Old Testament, Moses described as, is as described as the meekest on earth. Jesus has described himself as meek and lovely, which is consistent with his vigorous action in cleansing the temple. Power under God's control means two things. Refusal to inflate our, our own self-estimation and, if I'm saying this correctly, reticence to assert ourselves for ourselves, taking it on for ourselves and our glory. Paul captures this first aspect perfectly in Romans 12.3. For the grace it gives to me, I say to everyone among you to, to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith God has assigned. Meek people see themselves as servants of God, not thinking more highly of themselves than they ought to think. To be meek is to accept our strengths, our limitations for what they truly are, instead of constantly trying to portray ourselves in the best possible light. But it does not mean we not should deny our strengths or our, our abilities. When asked if he is the Messiah, Jesus, Jesus replied, the blind receive sight, the lame walk, and the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. He had neither an inflated self-image or inferiority complex, but a servant's heart based on what Paul would later call sober judgment. I felt that for you. And, and as we were worshiping in this house this morning, the Lord always gives me pictures of hands, and I just want you to hold your hands out. I saw a picture of your hands and he highlighted your hands and I said, Lord, what, what does this mean? Hands are to pick up, they're to carry weight, to embrace, to serve the table, but most importantly, wash Jesus' feet. And you have done that. You have served the table. And just as Pastor Les said, when your husband was called higher, you were right beside him, you were in stride, you weren't behind. He was refining what God put inside of you. Dunamis power is inside of you. So this today, he showcases you. He celebrates you. He honors you, daughter. Pastors, would you come? Elders, pastors, just surround her. 
how beautiful are the feet of him that you've walked in his steps and you've been in stride and you've been in motion and you've said, Lord, no matter what, I will do whatever it takes. Shandell, today is your day. Your daddy is proud. And I, Father, I just pray blessing over her and peace in your presence that these hands will serve, embrace, build, and take courage. Today's a good day. I speak to the prophetic voice inside of you. Arise in the name of Jesus. I thank you that you will be a beacon of life and a voice of truth. The tears that you cry right now is the Father's heart in his tears. Even now he's moving and he's shifting things around and he's placing giftings inside of you that you don't even know. And you'll look back over your shoulder on your lap and you say, only God. And he will get the glory. And this couple will do it together. You already were doing it together. So Father, I just thank you right now for this moment, for your daughter to be showcased and beautified. I, uh, I count this uh, a great privilege and honor to, to be able to do this. And so when I, when I heard that I was gonna be coming to do this, uh, to install a pastor, the, the first first image, and we, we talk about it a lot as a spiritual daydream, the first image that came to mind was the first miracle of Jesus. It was this wedding feast, it was uh, Cana, Galilee. And uh, you know the story, you know the story when, when, uh, when they began to turn water into wine. And on the third, third day, there was a wedding in Cana, Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there, and both Jesus and disciples were invited to the wedding. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, what business do you have with me, woman? And we'll go all the way down to verse 10. After they had had caused the water to turn into wine, there was a conversation at the end. It says in verse 10, it said, they called to the groom and said to him, every man serves the good wine first. And when the guests are drunk, then he serves the poorer wine. But you have been kept, but you have kept the good wine until now. So what I feel like the Lord has has done is, is he hasn't delayed this moment, but he has kept this moment until now. He has kept this moment until now to, to determine that it's no longer your wine, but it's a new wine. It's a fresh wine. It's a fresh outpouring. And everything that you've done and every part that you've been and and all that you've done to sow into this moment, God is going to now pour out the good wine into you. So, Father, I just declare a fresh anointing, a fresh flow, a fresh power of your presence, Lord, that she will truly be a new wine poured out upon uh, the servant of the Most High God. Father, that, that everyone that drinks from her service, Father, will be filled because she is drawing from the wine of heaven. So, Father, I just declare, even in this couple has come together and this this assignment has been placed upon them that, that not only one will now chase a thousand, but two will chase then 10,000 because it's not just one office of a pastor. It's not just two, but it's a couple, Father, that, that, that now that they will go forward. And Father, we just thank you. We thank you that you will anoint
anoint these hands, that you will anoint these feet. Blessed are the feet of the good news that bring the gospel, good peace to those that are broken. So, Father, just as Jesus was anointed to heal the brokenhearted, just as Jesus was anointed to heal the sick, I declare that same anointing over this couple right now. I declare the same anointing, Father. The balm of Gilead will be used from their hands and their feet, Lord, to touch and heal the brokenhearted. And, Father, we just declare, Lord, that the words that go out of their mouth, they will not return void, but they, because they will be the words of heaven. Father, and as they, they seek you, they'll find you when they seek you with all their hearts, Father. I thank you that bread from heaven will fall into their spirits, Lord, and will just be just be a, a giving away, as we say, of their relationship with you, their daily encounter, Father. I thank you that you've prepared them for such a time as this right now in Waco. I thank you that Waco will begin to feel all that that that, that uh, Shondell uh, has done to, to sow into the kingdom of God. And Father, we thank you, Lord, for your good pleasure. We thank you that our heart's desire is what pleases you. So Lord, pour out your pleasure in and through them. Pour out your pleasure over them. Father, I thank you that they will not lack any good thing. I thank you that they will not lack any good thing, Father, to them that walk uprightly before you. I thank you that, that they won't even know where it's coming from, Father, the, the, the east or the west or the south, but they, they will know that, that promotion and provision comes from the north, which is you from heaven. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for their service. We thank you for their servant's heart. We thank you for the ability to honor them this day before heaven and earth. In Jesus' name, amen. It's such an honor for me to be here today. When I prayed for you about this day, I heard two things. And the first was good steward. And we all know what an amazing servant you are. But God sees you as a good steward. And he brought me to this verse in 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2. It says, this is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that we be found faithful. Shandell, you are faithful. And he's honoring that today. He's honoring you and your husband for your faithfulness, not just for your servant's heart, but for how you've stewarded everything he's placed in your hands. You are a good steward. And the second thing he uh, spoke to me was, I just heard Mary and Martha. And in Luke 10, it says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. (laughs) But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. And I feel like as we ordain you today as pastor, there's going to be a tendency and a temptation 
to carry weights that you shouldn't carry, to worry about things you shouldn't worry about, to enter into that Martha mentality where you have to pick up everything and carry everything. But the Lord is asking you to come to his feet. He needs you to come to his feet, spend time with him, hear his voice, ask for his wisdom. With this mantle that's being set on you today, it requires wisdom, it requires strength, and it requires time at the feet of Jesus. So Father, I just pray over Shandell today. This is the last time I call you Shandell. From now on, you are Pastor Shandell. And I don't say that because uh, of tradition, of titles. I say that because the Holy Spirit is placing a mantle on you of authority. He's recognizing you for who you are. You are a pastor. You are a shepherd. And he's giving you the grace to be so. And I choose to recognize you as my pastor. So Pastor Shandell, I, I, I ask the Lord right now, pour your spirit out on her, Lord. Give her grace to come to your feet. When there's many things to be done, which there always will be, Lord, give her the grace to stop and lay at your feet and ask for your wisdom, ask for your truth, ask for your knowledge, to ask for your courage, Lord. We just thank you for your anointing that is on her. Let her rest in you. Let there be no anxiety, no worries, no cares of this world, but let there be peace and joy and rest in you, God. In Jesus' mighty name. I'm going to save my prophetic word, what God gave for me, for you, for this next service. But I wanted to just point out one thing. Uh, I look around this room and I see many pastors, evangelists, prophets, teachers, and I just wanted to show you, Shindell is a model of the right attitude. She's a model of the right attitude. God has a specific path for every single one of us to get to where he's created us to be. And what Shandell did was even in times where God was saying, not yet, wait, she doubled down, she served, she honored, and she trusted God through the process. And God has a process for each and every one of you. So I just wanted to say, Shandell, I'm very proud of you, and I'm honored to be your friend. So Father, we thank you. Thank you for this woman. Thank you for this couple. Today we recognize you as Shandell, a pastor of the body of Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Father. Come on, can we put our hands together for Pastor Shandell? Thank the Lord for her. Mercy Culture, it's our newest pastor, Pastor Shandell Kennedy. Wow. Y'all can be seated.
Don't worry, I'm not preaching a whole message. Michael, you can keep playing. I just wanted to take you through my daily encounter this week. I felt such a burden to communicate to this house how important connecting with the Lord is every day. And it's at the core of everything that we do. No matter what ministry, the food bank, the vision of the food bank is to take people from daily, in, from corporate encounters with God to daily personal encounters with God. Everything that we do is about discipling people into this relationship with the Lord. And all week, as I've been meditating on Pastor Shandell, and as Pastor Abe just said, the, the example that she has walked out for us of what it looks like to be a servant just been meditating on Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 14. Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he's giving them a parable. And chapter 24 and chapter 25, he's just giving parable after parable and story after story of trying to help them to see what the kingdom of heaven is like. This is the kingdom of heaven. This is what it looks like. And he's showing them humility and brokenness showing them these stories of people willing to lay it all down and willing to die to themselves and willing to give everything that they have and he's teaching his disciples the kingdom of heaven looks so different from the kingdom of this world the world system would tell you to exalt yourself the world system would tell you to push to the front of the line, to hold on to everything that you have, to hoard it away, not let anybody take it. Don't let anybody take advantage of you. You've got to be the most intelligent in the room. You've got to be the best dressed. You better be the most eloquent. You better have it all together. You've got to impress everybody everywhere you go. And Jesus is drilling into us over and over and over again. The kingdom of heaven looks different. The last will be first. The first will be last. The weak will be strong. The poor will be rich. When he stood up before the synagogue to announce who he was and read out of Isaiah, he said, I've come to preach the good news to who? To the meek, to those that would acknowledge their weakness. Family, I spent way too many years trying to be strong. I spent way too many years trying to impress people. Spent way too many years hiding weaknesses, covering them up, taking everything that I was given and holding it close because somebody will take it from me and somebody will take advantage of it. This is what being in ministry looks like and this is what being a pastor looks like. And you got to have every word in the right place and every inflection in the right place. You've got to impress everybody and they're looking at you and don't be weak and don't make a mistake and don't cry in front of people and now I'll just cry and snot and tell everybody my stuff and just to be vulnerable and uh, you know last week you really made me mad and it was really stupid and here's why and all of these things and just this is the kingdom of heaven this is the kingdom of heaven this is the kingdom of heaven but all of that stuff 
it, it keeps growing and the flesh just seems to, to never die. And I realized that those that are truly victorious in the pursuit of the kingdom of heaven don't wait until the flesh is seen. They kill it every day. You ever had a blade of grass growing up, some, a weed in your driveway? And you take that Roundup or whatever. Some of y'all just gasp, Roundup, whatever it is that you take, your organic oils. <laughs> it is mercy culture. Your gluten-free organic oil and you sprinkle it on your, right? No blue dye number six. And you sprinkle it on that little blade of grass to kill it and you say, whoa, the grass is dead, it's gone. And you cover up, you fix the crack and it's all done. And that stinking little tiny weak blade of grass will grow through layer after layer after layer of concrete. <laughs> you look at a highway. They spend millions of dollars on layer after layer and people are driving 85 miles an hour down that highway and there'll be a little blade of grass just pop, poking up. That's what the flesh is like. We got to go every day. Take it out of me, Jesus. Every day. Those that are victorious in their walk with the Lord, don't get victories over the flesh and then lay back and, whoo, thank you, Jesus. And then three months later, they're in another crisis and they got to get victory again. And then they lay back. No, no, those that are true servants and those that learn what it's like to be in the kingdom, we're going before the Lord every day. Take it out of me. Ring it out. Oh, this is ugly. Oh, that thought was nasty. This morning, this week, I heard the Lord tell me to ask you this morning, what's in your hand? Matthew chapter 25 says, for it, this is Jesus, the kingdom of heaven will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them to his property. This is Jesus telling a parable. He said, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. The master's leaving and he has these talents. And I love that the Bible didn't call it money, called it talents. And some theologians say it's money and some say it's something else. And I think it's just whatever it is that's in your hand. And he says, I'm going to give you 10 and I'm going to give you five and I'm going to give you two. I think that's right. I'm going to give you a certain amount and, and I'm going to go away. And he comes back and he says, all right, I'm back. What did you do? And the master that he gave five talents to he said, Master, you delivered me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. He said, I took what you gave to me and I invested it into something outside of myself. And Matthew, and verse 21 says this, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And some translations translate that word joy when you take that Greek word for joy and you look up the Hebrew word for that it's mishte and it means feast 
Theologians believe that Jesus was telling them that the master invited the servant into the Feast of Purim, the most celebratory Jewish holiday of the year, the Feast of Purim. He said, I want you to go from being a slave, a lower class that nobody thinks much about, and I'm going to invite you into the master's table to celebrate this feast, the most joyous holiday of the year. The holiday that celebrates when Esther gave everything she had. The thing that she had in her hand, what did she have? She had this relationship with the king. She said, I'm going to give this to you, and I'm going to give this to the Lord. And because of her obedience and giving it all and risking it all, the people of Israel, the Jewish people, were saved from annihilation off the face of the earth. That's what the master invited these servants into celebrating. Jesus goes on and said, the one that had two talents, he came back and said, I, I brought you two more. I invested it. I brought you two more. He said, well done, my good and faithful servant. I will set you. have been faithful over little. I'll set you as ruler over much. Enter into the joy of your master. But then we see the next servant. He had also received one talent. And he came forward saying, master, I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talents in the ground. Here, you can have back what, what you gave to me. I hid it in the ground, but here, you, you can have it back. My master says, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I was a hard man. You knew that I reap where I didn't sow. You could have at least put it in the bank, and at the very least, I would have gotten a little interest off of it. But no, you took what I gave you, and you hoarded it for yourself. You kept it, and you hid it away. Mercy culture, what's in your hand this morning? What's, what's in our hand today that Jesus is asking for what's in our hand that we've been hoarding away we've been hiding it maybe from a place of fear fear of lack of fear of disappointing the lord fear that we'll lose what he gave to us when we hear this story we often think about some great talent some great gift that's in our hands, some singing ability, some ability to preach, some ability to write, some great athletic ability, but sometimes the only thing that's in your hand is heartbreak and sorrow. One of our elders just this week who live in Fort Worth Pastor Steve and Pastor Esther Panate, they lost their baby this week. We're mourning with them. So a little boy just lived just a little bit over an hour. This promised son they'd been believing God for. I can't imagine the pain and the sorrow and the confusion that could come from that. But what I watched was the two of them invest what was in their hand. (laughs) 
What do they have in their hand? Heartache, pain, loss, confusion, sorrow. But they have led each of us. They have led thousands of people all across this nation and what it looks like to give God what's in our hand. Everybody close your eyes if you would. Bow your head. You see, as many times as Jesus has told the disciples, these men who walked with God, who ate with God, who were, who were touched by the hand of God, he told them over and over again, this is a kingdom of opposites. You can't look at the kingdom of heaven like you look at the kingdom of the world. They still, they still didn't get it, and it had to be repeated and repeated and repeated, and it has to be the same with us. And we think that the talents must be something beautiful and fancy and shiny and valuable, but sometimes the talent that's in our hand is pain and heartache and confusion. It's brokenness. Jesus says today, I want to give you beauty for ashes. I want to take what's in your hand. I want to multiply it. I want to give you beauty. I want to invite you to enter into the joy of your master. Jesus is inviting us, just like this parable, to enter into the feasting, the celebration of the master. As I studied this out and realized what this parable was talking about, the Feast of Purim, it wasn't until this morning I realized that the holiday of Purim starts tomorrow evening. The Lord is inviting us to celebrate with him. He wants us to enter into the joy with him, but we cannot operate in joy and in joy-based warfare if we continue to hold on to what's in our hand. We can't sit at the table of the Lord and enter into the joy of the master if we keep holding on. If we refuse to release if we refuse to expose. So this morning, God, we expose our weaknesses. And we'll just begin to pray to the Lord. We're not prophesying in tongues. We're praying in our heavenly language. We are building ourselves up in our most holy faith. We're praying the mysteries of heaven. Jesus, we, we give you our weaknesses. Come on, just tell him. Jesus, we give you our weaknesses. We give you our brokenness. We give you our confusion. God, we give you our talent. We give you our anointing. We give you our strengths. We give it all to you, Jesus. Jesus, we want to hear you say, well done, my good and faithful servant. 
He didn't say, well done, my perfect servant. Well done, my well-loved servant. Well done, my servant that impresses everybody else. Well done, my eloquent servant. He said, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done to the one that wasn't afraid of weakness. Don't be like the wicked and lazy servant that says, I'm afraid of failure, so I won't be meek. I won't release. I won't risk. I'm going to protect myself. But Jesus, I want to be a good and faithful servant when I see you. Lauren, if you'd come up and just sing and I'm going to worship for a moment. I want you to ask the Lord if you want to come to the altar, come to the altar. If you want to kneel at your seat or stand where you're at, just ask the Lord, Lord, what's in my hand? What is it that you want me to give to you? What am I holding on to that you want me to release? Come on, let's just begin to lift our voices to him and pray.